0: Catholics have been debating how to react to the crisis in the church for some time now. Should we ignore Rome and focus on our family, our parishes, and our communities? Or should we actively resist the scandals and corruptions coming from the Vatican? That's what we're going to talk about today on Crisis Point. Hello, I'm Eric Samins, your host and the editor-in-chief of Crisis Magazine. Okay, so it's a new year, and I am using new software to stream that actually is working. So hopefully somebody out there can hear me and this is all going great i will say i I discovered like literally seconds before i went online that i didn't have the 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 proper level of access to do a 1080 high full high definition stream so i think this is at 720. i literally didn't know that until i hit go live so uh there's that so that might actually be better because then you won't see my face quite as clearly which is probably a good thing but anyway okay so before we really get started here, uh, I want to encourage people to smash that like button, subscribe to the channel. We recently went over 10,000 subscriptions on, uh, on subscribers on YouTube, and I really appreciate that. Also, you can follow us on social media, at CrisisMag at all the various places. Uh, subscribe to our email newsletter, just go to crisismagazine.com, and you'll see a place you can do that. Uh, also, the fun, our fundraiser's over, our end of year fundraisers. Obviously, it's the beginning of the year, so end of year fundraiser is over and i just wanted to mention i want to thank everybody uh we we topped our our goal by a significant amount and i really do appreciate that that allows us to continue to offer everything that we offer for free and uh that's that's what we're here to do is offer for free and let people do that so okay i have i can hear you thank you joseph and also i find i can actually see your comments that's a good thing as well so Okay, so we have a new year. Last week, I did a podcast in 2023, talked about why I thought Pope Francis, that was the year he went too far. It was a look back. Now, at the beginning of the year, it's often common to look forward. And that's what I want to do here. But I want to specifically look at a specific um, a specific topic in the church. The debate I see in the church a lot among Catholics in this time of crisis, when we have so much confusion. um, Okay, I just have to stop because Anthony wanted to join in the new year and said, sorry, Eric, the software hasn't made you any less boring. And that is probably true. Thank you, Anthony. Um, But I'm still probably about 15 times more exciting than your podcast, Avoiding Babylon, or as I call it, Avoiding That Podcast. Okay, so for those of us who don't, those of you who don't know Anthony, he and I are uh, frenemies, and so that's why I bring him up here. But I want to talk about this debate going on in the church: is how should we react to the crisis going on in the church today? And I see this often on social media. I see this online. I see this among in real life as well. More importantly, and there's two kind of extremes that we see for for how to react to that which i'll talk about in a second but i think what we we have to be honest first of all and recognize and that's part of this debate is it recognizes this that we live in a time that can cause great anxiety among catholics to pretend otherwise is to lie to ourselves to gaslight others We live in a time of crisis. We have a pope who is extremely confusing, and that's a charitable interpretation he does. We have so many church leaders that don't seem to care about spreading the gospel. Most directly, we all know countless people who have left the church that no longer practice Catholic faith. We see the difficulties others have in deciding to become Catholic we might ourselves even have doubts about the Catholic faith. And so we live in this time and and it's a time of anxiety. And 2024, I don't think is going to cause any less anxiety. I think it's very likely that Pope Francis will not live throughout this entire year just due to his age. We might have a new conclave, so there'll be anxiety about who the next pope's gonna be. Many of us are afraid of the possible bishop being appointed to our diocese which could cause, you know, what community you live in, things like that. And there's anxiety beyond the church, of course. I mean, the 2024 presidential election in America is a cause for anxiety. Who knows what's going to happen there? So I think we just recognize that. And so we have to ask ourselves practically, how do we respond? And like I said, I think there's two extremes that I think, and when I say extremes, I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way, because I think we live in a time of extremism where extremism is a virtue in many ways. It can be a vice, but it can be a virtue as well. So practically, how do we respond? I think on the one hand, we have basically what I call the off-grid option, where you decide that you are going to, you can't change what's happening and change what's going on in the church. So you focus on the local. You focus on your family. You focus on your community, your parish. And you simply don't worry about all the shenanigans going on in the church you're not constantly trying to find out what's the latest scandal how to cr- criticize it you're not uh, on social media debating these topics you're, you're working on your personal holiness and building up your local community we have an article coming out at crisis pretty soon about living like a a medieval peasant in fact i chuckled because just today mm-hmm. timothy flanders our friend over at 1 peter 5 he has an article called the medieval peasant option. And I have an article coming out of crisis, not by me living like a medieval peasant. We did not coordinate that at all. <laughs> I had no idea he was going to publish that. He didn't know about mine. But that's basically an idea that you live like a medieval peasant. You, you just focus on local. You don't care about what's going on in, in, in the greater church. That's option one. Option two, on the other extreme, is basically... The idea that, no, you need to know what's going on in the church and you need to actively resist it, because if you let evil escalate, if you let it operate within the church, it has nothing to stop it. And that we are called as disciples of Jesus Christ to fight for the truth, to fight for justice, to to help other people understand what's going on in the church and to fight against those who are actively trying to undermine the faith even if they are church leaders we put pressure on them so that's another that's the other extreme and so therefore you have these two options of what's uh, where to go and i've seen this debate a lot within catholic circles i mean this is something that i think is a real life issue that a lot of us deal with i know i deal with it i'll be the first one to admit i deal with it and so I think it's something we have to recognize. Now, first, what i want to do is I'm going to give kind of the criticisms against each of those options, uh, each of those options, and then explain why I think, uh, what I think is the best path forward. So, criticism of option one, the uh, the head in the sand is would be the critical way to look at it. Uh, the off-grid option, so to speak, is that first of all. Catholics aren't quietists. Quietism was a movement within Protestantism centuries ago. that basically was, you are passive about everything going on in the world, and you just trust in the Holy Spirit. Because we are called to do things. We're not just called to be passive. And so, in silence, here's another, another criticism, is silence in the face of injustice is itself unjust if for example i see my neighbor's house being broken into and i do nothing about it i don't call the police i don't get out my my shotgun or anything like that i just do nothing i have done my neighbor harm i have done him wrong and likewise if we have friends family members loved ones who have left the church or are struggling with what's going on, going on with the church and we do nothing about it then we've done them a wrong also, another point to recognize—a criticism of option one, the the the, um, the off-grid option—is that we might ignore what's going on in the Vatican, but they're not ignoring us. This is particularly true if you are in a Latin Mass community. How many Latin Mass communities have been shut down by what's going on in the Vatican? By the Vatican. In fact, just in the past couple of weeks, I think I've saw six different Latin Mass communities. Have been shut down or are getting shut down this month so even as much as you might want to say i'm just going to focus on my local community they're and i'm going to leave them alone in in rome they're not going to leave you alone so doing nothing can have and you're still going to get touched by it and you have to deal with that so this idea you focus on your parish you might not be able to because your parish might not exist at least as you know it today and then uh, a and so essentially the the criticism of option one the off-grid option is that we simply can't we're simply connected we're all connected and so you can't act like what goes on in rome has no impact on you and your soul but also on those you love so you can't just put your head in the sand now the criticism of option two the kind of activist option i guess we could call call it the storm the vatican gates option, is that it can make us where we easily lose our peace. We easily get to the point where we no longer are able to uh, really uh, have the peace of Jesus Christ, the peace that comes from Jesus Christ. We're always in a state of anxiety. We're always in a state of of battle, of, of confrontation, of conflict. That's not healthy. Not saying we need to run from conflict, but at the same time, a criticism of option two, the storm the gates option is you can't live like that constantly. And in our in our social media age, it actually is possible to live like that constantly from the moment you get up in the morning to the moment you go to bed at night. But that's not healthy. It will very much could end up you lose your faith. We've seen it before in public situation from public figures. And I think we all know people who got consumed with the crisis, with the scandals going on in the church, and they ended up leaving the church. Just yesterday, I think it was on social media, there was a tweet going around, some woman talking about how her family had decided to leave the Catholic Church and become Orthodox, and it essentially was what you would expect. She just couldn't accept the claims of the Catholic Church when the Pope was acting as he was and so he became orthodox another another criticism of option 2 the storm the gates is the fact is it's not our duty as lay catholics and i'm speaking mostly to lay catholics but i think priests this applies to on some level as well it's not our duty to run a church god did not call us to be bishops he did not call us to be part of the hierarchy he called bishops he called the pope it's their duty to do that it's not our duty my duty my vocation is to my wife and my children, primarily. That's my key vocation, not to, to fix the problems in the church. So I think that's the big criticism of option two, the storm the gates activist idea. Now, before I get into kind of my own idea, my own thoughts on the path forward for Catholics, how we we navigate this, the two options of do we go whole hog off-grid whole hog storm the gates or somewhere in between i, I do want to kind of just bring up something i don't really like talk personally here but I, I i think i will in this case i think it touches us each personally i don't really want to do this job <laughs> i don't really want to be the editor-in-chief of a magazine called crisis the fact is if i had my my, my dream when I was, went off to get my master's in theology, was to one day become a college professor of theology at a Catholic university. To debate things in, in the classroom, theological topics, to teach people about our faith on a high level, to do things of that nature. At the very least, I wanted to be one of those people you see that have maybe podcasts or they write books that are non-controversial that basically just talk about the truths of the faith i admire those people and i think they do worthy good work i mean not maybe all of them but i think that's something necessary always in the church if i had my druthers i just chose for myself that's probably what i would want to do but the fact is i kind of realized that this is just something that has to be done by somebody, and so if I just simply ignore it and and act like and just assume somebody else is going to do it, then nobody will. Because I do feel like on a certain level I was called to do this. I got the job of crisis. I didn't apply for it. I was. It was re, they came to me and asked me, "Do you want to run crisis?" And I wasn't looking for a job. And so I. I. I this. In fact, just. Three years ago tomorrow is when I started as, at Crisis Magazine. It's January 3rd, 2024 right now. But three years ago tomorrow is when I started as the energy in I did not go looking for it. I did not go looking for a job. I was happy where what I was doing. Something that God was calling me to. And for I, I, I just want to make it clear that I, I understand that there's a need for for the crisis in the church, but I understand that a lot of people have no desire to do it, and they don't really, and, and and it's not really an attractive thing to do. And so it's something that we just some of us have. I feel like somebody has to do it, and I feel like this is something God called me. I hope that he he eventually calls me to do something else. I don't make it sound like I don't like my job. I actually do. I, I love I love what I do. At the same time though, it, it, it's not something that I it's something I wish wasn't necessarily way to so what is the path forward? I would say for Catholics, I would say we are all called to stay informed, monitor what's happening, but let it consume. So we might in the church and in the world. We stay informed of them, but we don't let it consume us. We balanced lifestyle between focus on the local, understand the global, for to use those type of terms. And if we're unsure of how to balance that, we should always lean t- towards option one, the off grid option, the staying out of things. The safer method in a lot of ways. And I and some people say it would be cowardly. It's not what I need for for our soul, and our souls are what's most important. There is the greater danger of losing your your soul by going the activist route, the more activist route, than there is going the more off-grid option. So I would argue, yes, you should. If you're going to lean one way, lean towards the focus on the low. Let me talk practically, though, about this. How, How do you actually do this? I think first and foremost, and I've said this a million times, a more, and I don't care. <laughs> you have to have a life. If you spend more time on social media debating what's going on in the church than you do in prayer each day, you're off balance. Period. You need to spend more time in prayer than you do in, in on social media myself by the way all these suggestions i'm not claiming to do these perfectly i'm just saying this is what i strive for i find when i meet this these these ideals that things. then if i don't I have a prayer and i and like i said it has to be more than your social media consumption and that comes to the second point which is you have to limit your social media consumption i know this is something people hammer home a lot and people just don't care anymore I mean, you're watching a video on YouTube right now, or you're listening to my a podcast. So in one sense, you're breaking what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't do it at all. I'm just uh, we've run articles about this crisis, and they usually don't do well. Because <laughs> the people who are going to read them are people who don't limit often, so they don't want to hear that. But I'm going to beat this drum because I think it's important. The people I know personally who have left the people with their faith, are the ones who are the most consumed, the most into social media. They wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is they look at their phone and they doom doom scroll. If you do that, I can almost guarantee you're going to leave the church. Almost guarantee it. So I do think we have to limit that. Like what I do, all these different things myself, I have lots of things because I don't trust myself. So like, for example, I only do social media in my office at home, usually on my computer. I don't have it on my mobile phone. I use a light phone most of the time. I do have an iPhone that doesn't have cell coverage. And so I, I sometimes use that to take that somewhere for something. I don't have social media on there because I don't want to be picking it up. I don't have it up around the house, like sitting in my living room with my kids. And all of a sudden I had to pick up and doom scroll. So these are the type of things that are very important. Remember, social media algorithms are made to make you mad because they found that the angrier you, angrier you get, the more likely you are to continue scrolling, to continue being on social media. You don't get on social media to feel fluffy, to feel good about yourself. You get it to get mad. You do it to get mad. I mean, that's what they want you to do because they know you're going to come back more and more. So that's what that, that's the next thing. So first, prayer life. Second, social media limitations. A third practical point, I would say, is... Know your church history. Know your church history, people. We have a tendency, I think everybody has this tendency all throughout time, is you think your time is the worst time ever. I'm not saying there aren't certain aspects of today's world that are not terrible and that are terrible that might be the worst. But on a whole, this isn't the worst time necessarily to live as a Catholic. I mean, let's say you're in America. You probably have mass available to you close by. Now, yes, there's a problem with Latin masses being shut down, a, a, a lack of reverent novus orders, whatever the case may be. But we actually live in a town where you could move somewhere where you could get to a Latin Mass. That was not available to, to always to, to people so easily being able to access it. Bishop Schneider talks about living in the Soviet Union and they couldn't get the Mass for years. So I don't think it's, it, it, you know, we can talk about how terrible it is when we don't recognize there's certain other ways it was terrible at other times. If you really know church history, you know this, you know, there are times, like for example, the great Western schism, when there was two or three different men claiming to be Pope were 40 lasted for about 40 years, I think 39, something like that. You could have theoretically lived your entire life. Let's say you die at the age of 38. You could have lived your entire life, not knowing for sure who the Pope was. So the idea, you know, you know, we have a, a terrible Pope right now. Yes. You could have not even known who was legitimate pope. You could have had saints debating who it was. And I know we kind of have that today with some people saying Benedict was really the pope even when he after he resigned. But the point is, that was a terrible time. So there are other bad times. So know your church history, because what that does, it puts today in perspective. You know, okay, we have a terrible pope. We've had terrible popes. Yes, maybe he's more terrible in certain ways than any other pope. Maybe he's not, but the point is, you know, there's been times that have been very trying for Catholics, very difficult. So that's a third thing. Another thing is, is that, and this is the one I think is probably the most important, it kind of ties in all this. Don't let your practice of Catholic faith get out of balance. What do I mean by that? The balance between seeing the good and the bad. It's easier, it's human nature to focus on the bad. Like I said, social media gears us to focus on the bad. So we have all these things that make us focus on the bad and we don't see the good. So, for example, look in your own life in your own parish, for example. Like, I love the fact in my parish, I see all these babies being born, new babies being baptized. I see people in the conversion class becoming Catholic. I see young people getting married, them having babies. This is just a beautiful thing that because it's common, I think we forget how important it is and how beautiful it is. And put that on a balance, on a scale, so to speak, with the evil you see with Father Rutnik, for example, being allowed to practice the faith, with Bishop Strickland being removed, with Pope uh, Pope Francis throwing out uh, directives about blessing same-sex couples, stuff like that. On a whole, I think we, we we need to recognize the good and see that and recognize this is our Catholic faith being lived out. This is God working directly in the souls of men and women. He has not forgotten us. He has not forsaken us. When we see this directly and we recognize and we're grateful for it, I think it really does make a difference and allows us then when we see all the bad to keep it under balance, to keep it to re- the reality is. God has not forsaken us. Yes, if your traditional mass parish you've been going to for years, maybe even decades, has get shut down. I'm not saying you should be like, oh, it's not that bad. Of course, you're going to think it's awful. And you should, because it is awful for you. And I'm not going to try to minimize that, but still recognize the good that is happening in your community, in your in your life. Recognize that and, and understand that. So I think that balance, and this is another thing, like you see people go down the path and they always focus on the bad and and that ends up leading them out of the church. Now, one of the things I think is, I know I'm going to harp on social media again, but one thing I've noticed is like my, if you look at my tweets, um, just me, for example, on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. I would guess that a preponderance of them are more negative in tone i do post good things that happen in, in my life and in the church I, I, I try not to be all negative but i tend to more tweet about negative things and i think it's because of just the nature of twitter and the nature of kind of how things work and i, I think we can't like we have to recognize that's just part of reality like that's not my whole life I don't think about these things all the time it's not like I'm, I'm constantly thinking of things and I and I post about those only I just typically don't always post like I have a lot of good things going on in my personal life but I don't like posting personal things I don't post about my kids very much because there's crazies out there I don't want them to know about my family and so that that's something to remember is even if you follow accounts that post negative things that doesn't mean they're negative about everything they think everything's negative in the world and you shouldn't either so i think this balance is what we need to have and then finally as far as like kind of practical ways that we should our path forward i think we should recognize that exactly how you practice this is specific to you these are prudential decisions that will be that will be based upon your personality and how you kind of do things. They're not going to be the same for everybody. Some people are going to lean more towards let's they're they're, they're kind of personality let's focus more on local, focus more on kind of keeping our head down, not worrying about what's going in Rome. And others are going to be more focused on they're going to be more activist in mentality, personality, more like I need to do something, I need to speak out, I need to help the church overcome this crisis. And I think it depends on your personality and what you feel God is calling you to to do it. So don't like get on somebody else if they don't do as much as you or if they do too much, do you think, compared to you. Understand everybody is a little different. If you have a good friend that you think is spiraling, I can't, why can't I not say that word? Spiraling, yes, spiraling. If you have somebody like that, in the sense that you see them really getting too down on everything and really starting to get negative about everything. Yeah. Reach out to them, help them out. I'm not saying don't do that, but I am saying don't try to apply what you think is the best way um, to, to, to how to respond to the taste crisis. Don't, don't think that's applies to everybody. There needs to be that balance. So I think we need to do that. Okay. So I, I, I think hopefully that helps some. Understanding this, how we how we go forward on this, I also want to just make it clear. I think this hel- helps me, so I want it to. Hopefully, it'll help you. I do believe this is a time of testing. I think it's a time the Lord is testing us. Frankly, I think for over a generation we have not been faithful to Him on a whole. I'm not saying individuals haven't. I'm not saying we haven't had saints, but I think on a whole, Catholics have not been faithful to Him, and He's withholding some of his protection. He's withholding some of it. I think this is something, if you look at church history, you look at salvation history, Old Testament, New Testament, church history, you see this is the case, that God will do this sometimes. And so I think that's the time we're in right now. And so it's a time that we are called to greater faithfulness. The graces we can receive and the merit we can earn, and yes, we're not Protestants, we do think we can earn merit, I think could be greater than other times in the church. I think it's actually it, when it's harder to be a practicing Catholic, it's more grace filled. And you can earn more merit, which means you can help save more souls. So if you are able to be faithful, if you are able to maintain your practice of the Catholic faith during this time, I think it can be more beneficial for souls than if you do it in a time where it's easier to be Catholic. Remember that when, when you feel doubts, when you feel like I think things are kind of falling apart here, I'm not quite sure if it's really worth it. Remember, that's when our Lord is calling you to a deeper faithfulness that will help souls offer up this time of testing for others. And so I, I would just say that both quietism and activism are contrary to Catholicism. Both of them are not in keeping with the Catholic spirit. I think there needs to be a balance, but it is a spectrum. So some people will lean more towards the the, uh, off-grid living, some people more towards the activist living. Know yourself. Like I said, if in doubt, lean towards the off-grid because it's safer for your soul. But just kind of know yourself know how much it's it's, how much is happening you are called to be an apostle not an activist but an apostle so you have at least a duty to your local community your local people around you to be able to share the faith explain it which means you have to know something about what's going on in the church you can't put your head in the sand completely but how much you do that and how big of a platform you want to do that on i think is up to you and what god is calling you to so i think that's the path forward for 2024 a time of confusion, scandal, uh, crisis in the church. And I think this is what we need to each do. We need to continually look at ourselves and say, "Okay, what is the best way forward for us? What is the best way to respond to this crisis? And I just ask that you pray for me, that I continue to uh, do God's work. And if it's not what he wants me to do, that I that it gets all shut down. (laughs) And I and I and I pray for you, that uh, all the people who follow crisis, who donate to us and our supporters, that we continue to gather to do God's work and to give glory to him. Okay, that's it for now. Until next time, everybody, God love you.